Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of spiritual warfare. Today's program is a continuation of the previous one. Now, what I'd like to do in this program is to talk about the subject of spiritual warfare from the point of view of it being a conflict. From the perspective of it being a conflict, that means that there are two or more parties involved in the conflict, that there is a disagreement of some kind, and that this has not been resolved in a way that is peaceful. It is going to be resolved in a way that is combative, that we are engaged in a war right now, that we have been engaged in a war for thousands of years presently, and that this war has been a conflict that has resulted in destruction. There has been some destruction. There have been casualties. And so I would like to talk about this from the point of view of a conflict. Now, I certainly am not going to be able to speak about everyone involved in this war. Instead, I'm going to talk about two individuals, the first one being God himself, and the second one I am going to refer to as the devil, the devil himself. Now, one of the obstacles that I face and that people will face when talking about this subject is that we have to consider, is there really a devil? I mean, is there really a person who would be recognized, who would be identified as the devil, also known as Satan, also known as Lucifer, also known by a few other names, but How can we determine if there really is a devil or not? Now, that's a very difficult question to answer in a way that everyone is going to be satisfied. How can you prove, let's start with that one, how can you prove that there is a devil? I do not believe that we can use the mechanisms that we have available of proof, and I know many of them, I used to teach advanced mathematics to include proofs. And I can tell you that, based on my knowledge of proofs, this is not going to be an easy thing to do. In fact, I have great confidence in being able to say that there is no way, there is no way that I am going to be able to prove that there is a devil to the satisfaction of anyone who wants to really argue the point. So I am not capable And I don't believe anybody is truly capable of really proving that there is a devil, which tells me that the Lord does not want us to prove that there is a devil. Now, the same thing goes with him, with our God. Is there any way that we can prove that there is a God? I don't think that we can. I do not believe that he is going to subject himself to the mechanisms that we have at our disposal in order to prove his existence to our satisfaction. So if he's not going to do that for himself, I don't think it should be too much of a surprise to say that he's not going to do that for the devil either. Now, if that's true, then I have to concede that there probably is a good reason for that. 
And over the years, I have pondered this question because it is a question that I find to be important. I've pondered this question and I have simply come to terms with the fact that the Lord does not want me to be able to prove his existence. He does not want me to prove the devil's existence that he doesn't want to be recognized in that way, that he really does want us to believe in him based on there being enough evidence. Now, it's my opinion, this is just my opinion, that the reason why the Lord has structured things in this way to prevent us from being able to prove his existence or the devil's existence is simply to allow people the freedom to choose not to believe in him. It also allows a freedom for people to choose not to believe in the existence of the devil. And I can understand the value of that. I can understand that there can be a great advantage when you consider the fact that the Lord himself, he wants us to believe in him because we want to. So if we don't want to, he needs to allow us the freedom not to. And in that way, there's a greater value. There's a much greater sense of value, or at least I can value more. I can value the relationship that I have with him and the knowledge of him a lot more than I would if I didn't really have much of a choice. When it comes to the issues related to proof, if there was enough proof, then there would no longer be the same kind of choice involved. So I'm going to leave the subject there and just say that I believe that it is more important for the Lord to give us the freedom to choose than it is for him to show us that there is no way, there is no way, because of the nature of proof, there is no way for us to deny his existence or the devil's. So if there is a devil, and if there is a God, we're simply going to have to examine the evidence that we have at our disposal, that we can discover or that is revealed, and we are going to have to make a choice to say that there is enough in order to convince us individually that this will become an individual issue. So having said that, why is it that people would not want to believe in the devil? I mean, why would people be so concerned about it? Well, it's my opinion, based on the conversations that I have had with people who simply do not want to recognize his existence, it's my opinion that the reason why they do not want to believe that a devil exists is because they do not want to consider the fact that they might be influenced by him. That's one of the reasons why they do not want to be influenced by him. They also do not want to be confronted with the fact that there is evil in existence and that they might perhaps be influenced by this evil. Because if there is evil, then some of the things that they might be doing might be considered to be evil. So that's what it usually comes down to, is that people do not want to believe in the devil's existence because they don't want to be confronted with the issues related to the existence of the devil. They don't want to believe that they might be influenced by somebody else, and they do not want to believe that some of the things that they do might also fit within the same criteria or boundaries that define what is evil if there is something that is evil as such. But there's another factor involved, and that is that people do not want to believe in the devil because if there is a devil, then there is great risk that there might be a God, too, a real God, the creator, the one who the devil is at war with. If there is a devil, there might be a God. And for many people, the suggestion that there is a real God is unacceptable. And so 
when you try to talk with someone about the existence of the devil, they might be refusing to concede that there is a devil, not because they're worried about the devil, but because they are worried about the existence of God, which may also be connected to their concern that some of their behavior might be evil, and it may mean that they could be held accountable for their behavior, as the devil will certainly be held accountable for his behavior. So these are the things that you are normally going to be confronted with when it comes to the subject of the existence of the devil. It usually comes down to the concern as to whether or not there is truly a God. Now, what I have found with believers, with Christians is that when there is a revelation that a devil or a demon is actively participating, when there is a revelation of that, we tend to get excited. We can get really excited about this. We can generate a lot of enthusiasm because there is evidence that there is a devil. This is one of the issues that can sometimes make demonic possession appealing. Appealing in the sense that we would find it appealing, or we would find it interesting, or we would be excited to find out that somebody is demonically possessed. Because if we can show that there is another being who is influencing this person in such a dramatic way, then we can use that as evidence to show that there is probably a God also. In fact, when I was having this conversation with this satanic priest that I referred to in an earlier program... This was one of the conversations that we had. It was about the existence of my God. We were talking about his God and some of the things that he was expected to do. And he just simply told me that he had made a decision that he didn't want to do those things that he was expected to do. That he had made an agreement with these demonic beings and he has decided that he's not going to fulfill his end of the agreement. And I'll never forget him expressing this with concern, because he had a lot of concern. He told me, well, I think I'm just going to be dead. I think that they're going to kill me. And so, uh, because I've just I've made this decision, and I'm not going to go back on it, I think I'd just rather die than be a part of what they want me to do. And, and I just listened. What else could I do? I just listened to him, and so... We waited. We sat there, and we were sitting there for, I don't know, 5, 10, maybe even 15 minutes. It's hard for me to remember. But I do remember it was an extended period of time. We were just sitting there, just being quiet, just waiting. And I I looked at him, and I said, Hey, listen, you know, um, just hear me out for a minute. You know, it could be that maybe my God could help you out with this. You know, I mean, if if your God is, is real, if the gods who you have been serving have been real to you, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of evidence that can say that, you know, that my God has got greater authority than he does, who, you know, who has done a lot more things than than these other gods have and has had great success in helping people out in these kinds of situations. And so, you know, maybe you should give him a try. I mean, what have you got to lose? Really? I mean, if you're going to die anyway, then why not try out my God? You know, the Lord Jesus is here in order to set people free. And he might he might very well do that if you. If you reach out to him and and ask him for his protection, ask him for a few angels to come and and defend you against the attacks that quite likely will come pretty soon, I don't see why we should just be sitting here waiting around for that to happen. Why don't we do something about it? And he conceded. That was it. He conceded. Now, that was the beginning of a very interesting experience, but 
I want you to understand that these are the kinds of issues that become very real to people. And when a demonic manifestation occurs, it can give us a lot of encouragement and a lot of enthusiasm to realize that there is a God, especially when God is able to overcome them in a way that he lets us see that he is doing this. When he shows us that without question, he has accomplished a great thing. When he shows us this, this can be very encouraging. I'll give you another example. There was a circumstance when a friend of mine had a terrible infection in one of his legs. He had gone to many medical professionals. He had gone through many tests, many evaluations, and no one was able to figure out what was wrong with his leg and why his leg was was behaving in this way, why, why they were not able to cure this problem that he was having. And so I had a conversation with him, and I was talking with him, and And when I was talking with him after he had been through all of these evaluations, in our conversations he mentioned that he had a confrontation with someone who had some interest in demonic things, that that this was a person who had an interest in demonic things, and they had a little bit of a confrontation, and so my friend told him, well, you're just going to go to hell. And, uh, and, And that was the end of it. And then for a moment, I believe the Lord made this connection in my mind. And so I asked him, I said, well, isn't this about the same time that you had this terrible uh, infection that you've got here? Isn't that when this sort of started was shortly after that? Isn't it? Do I have the timing right? And he thought about it for a little while and he said, yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. I think the timing was shortly after that. I said, well, you know, surely, I mean, maybe we have a situation here where this person who has some you know, influence with demons, who, who has been actively involved in the things that they've been doing, maybe this person did some kind of ritual or ceremony or something like that and has sent a demon over, and what you've got attached to your leg really is some demon who is manifesting this infection as a way of getting back at you for you being so rude to him. Maybe that's what's going on. I hear that they do things like this, and so maybe that's what's happened. And he said to me, well, maybe maybe you're right. And so I got a few brothers together, and we and we prayed for him. We laid our hands on his leg, and we prayed for him. And, and when it was my turn, you know, being as aggressive as I can be sometimes, I said, and Lord, I pray that you'll send this demon back to the person who sent it to him to begin with and inflict him with whatever you decide. And sure enough, later on, I found out that the person who he had this confrontation with, was terribly sick. And so there was the appearance that this had happened. But his leg got better. He was fine after we did that. There certainly was the appearance that this took place. And so we, of course, felt quite enthusiastic about this, that we were participants in something that would validate for us personally that there is a devil and that there is a God. Certainly, we have no way of proving anything related to this, But there is enough evidence to be encouraging in our faith. So this is where I would leave the subject, is to simply say that if you're concerned about the existence of the devil or or the existence of God, all I can say is is that I believe that he, that that the living God, will reveal to you enough evidence to show you that he exists. And that it could be that the devil might... Make a mistake here or there and leave you some evidence that he exists also so that if you go look for it, you probably will find enough in order to validate that there probably is something real there. 
in which case you should think about the reality that there is, probably, a God who you should be at peace with and that you should not be in opposition to him. Otherwise, you might be participating in this war in a way that you probably don't want to be participating. So, let's consider. If there is a devil, then is there just one? No, it turns out that there are many How many? Well, we don't really know. No one, as far as I know, has taken a census or has been able to do that to be able to tell us how many there might be. What we do know, based on the scriptures, is that there is approximately one-third, and this can be extrapolated from Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 4. We can extrapolate the idea that however many angels God originally created, about one-third of them decided to join with the devil And so what you've got is not just one devil, you've got a lot of them, many of them. And they do apparently work together for a common purpose, but you might want to think about what that purpose is in order to have a better understanding of what they are doing and why. Something that can be very helpful to consider is that they are working together for a common goal, but they really are individual beings themselves, just as the angels are individual beings. They were angels who just simply decided to reject God. So we can go into the scriptures and we can find a lot of information relative to these kinds of questions. But before we do that, before I do that, I want you to think about this for just a moment, and that is that most all of the information that we have that really is of significant value is found in the scriptures. And so let me say it this way, that if you do not believe that there is a devil and that he has many demons who are working with him, if you don't believe that, then you simply do not believe the scriptures. I mean, that's a simple way that I can describe it. You do not believe the scriptures because if you read the scriptures, you will find the devil, demons, angels, you find them mentioned all over the place. And so if you don't believe that there is a devil and demons and that they are actively participating in a war and that we are involved in this, you simply don't believe the Bible. That's that's all I can tell you, is that you don't, you might think you do, but you don't because it's all over the place there. That's the easy way that I can respond to that, the easiest way I can think of. And so I would encourage you, I would like to encourage you to go ahead and do some research yourself. Do that and find out that what I am saying is true. You need to do the research yourself. In this case, I don't think it's going to be of much value for me to just say, just trust me on this one. You go ahead and do it. You look into this yourself. Now, having said that, I'd like to read a couple of passages, because these passages do give us a lot of information that I believe is important for us to consider in these programs. The first one that I want to read from is Isaiah chapter 14. In Isaiah chapter 14, between verses 12 and 15, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. 
That's what the Lord had to say about Satan, about Lucifer. You're going to be brought down to Sheol. Now, Sheol was the place, is the place that everyone goes to when they die. It has changed a little bit since the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. It was a place where everyone would go to. You'd be sorted out between the good side and the bad side. The good side was called paradise, or Abraham's bosom, and that was relocated to the kingdom of heaven after the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. Then there was the other place, the bad side, where you had three different divisions. You had one division in the bad side of Sheol, which would be the place where we would go, people who were evil, who would not have a place in the kingdom of heaven because they were spiritually dead. And then you had another location for demons that was a temporary holding area, where they would be put in what you would probably think of as a timeout. And then you had another area in Sheol where they would be placed on a permanent basis. To give you an example of a timeout, consider the revelation with regards to the devil who was locked up for a thousand years, and then he's released. That's an extended timeout, a thousand years. So that's what Sheol was about, and he would be sent there. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 28, beginning in verse 12, 12 to 17, In verse 12, it says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. He goes on and gives a list of stones. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. In verse 14, this is Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. Listen to that. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Till iniquity was found in you, by the abundance of your trading you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground, I laid you before kings, that they might gaze at you. These are two passages that I believe are the most relevant passages to the things that I want to describe in this series. The first thing that I want you to notice, that I really want you to pay attention to, is that the devil decided that he would be like the Most High. This was found in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 14. I will be like the Most High. Now, do you do you hear what he says here? He does not say, I will be something besides the Most High. He doesn't say, I will be the anti-God. You know, if God is good, I'm going to be bad. He doesn't say that. With regards to his beauty that he refers to in Ezekiel chapter 28, he refers to him as being perfect. Lucifer, the devil, was considered to be perfect until he looked at his perfection in the wrong way, to say that he could be like the Most High, that his perfection was going to make it possible for him to be the perfect one, 
to be like the perfect one. But God did not create the devil, did not create Lucifer to be like him. He created Lucifer to be like Lucifer, not like God. He created this person who was later going to be identified as the devil. He created him to be him, to be the one who he created him to be. But he decided that this is not enough, that this is not acceptable. He wanted to be like God. And I want you to see that he was in a situation that tempted him to think that he could actually do it. The relationship that he had with God was apparently so close that he really believed that he could be like him. That, to me, says a lot about the relationship that the living God had with this angel who he created. He created this angel perfectly, to be perfect. And he had a relationship with him. This was a very special angel, a very special person in God's life. But this angel just made the decision that it wasn't enough, that it wasn't adequate. He wanted to be like the Most High in a different way, in a way that was different from how God created him, which means that God gave him the ability to make that choice. He created him in a way that he could choose that, but the Lord found that to be unacceptable. And so the Lord responded, and he cast him out from that position, cast him out to the extent where there will be no redemption for Lucifer or for the other angels who decided to follow along with him which tells me something about the relationship he had with them, that he gave them a lot of freedom, he gave them a lot of liberty, in order to think that they actually could function in a way that was different from how he created them. So, what I want you to see, this is the most important thing that I want you to understand from this program, is that the devil, he really wants to be like God. So, how is it that there is a conflict? What is this conflict? Why would there be a conflict if you've got somebody who just wants to be like God? Who just wants to be like Him? I mean, this could very well be His defense. You know, the Lord says, You know, Lucifer, I got a problem with you. You could say, But Lord, I just want to be like you. Well, I'm going to tell you about this in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net